Yeah, a lot of work goes into that. Okay, if you would like to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, and I'm going to be reading Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. This church, you're allowed to say that. Still allowed to say it in this church. Happy Christmas. It's good to be back in the house of God. It really is. Wonderful to be back in the house of God. And... Uh, who, by reading that passage, what do you think I'm going to preach about today? Who do you think I'm going to preach about? Everybody thinks I'm going to preach about Mary. Everybody thinks I'm going to preach about Mary because most times when you preach around this time of year, people preach about Jesus, the birth of Jesus. They preach about Mary. They preach about the shepherds. I always preach about this stuff. They preach about the three wise men, and they're all the high-profile people of Christmas. But today, I want to preach about a man who, in every scene, he's kind of off to the side. He's considered more of a support cast than a main player. And of course, that is Joseph, Mary's husband, and the father or foster father of Jesus. And, uh, you know, uh, we often focus on the high-profile people in Scriptures. And this man couldn't get more low-profile. In fact, if you look at the passage and you look at his life, there's not one word he speaks. doesn't say a word. So we often look to people who are orators or articulate, have a lot to say. Yet this man's in the Word of God. And he's chosen and given a great role to be the father of Jesus. And he never said a word. <laughs> never said a word. And uh, 
He was used by God, obviously, more than he ever would have realized or ever dreamt. And um, I believe even later, this man Joseph was such a good father and such a good man that Jesus himself got a lot of revelation of God the Father from his earthly father. That's a great encouragement to fathers here, that you can give your children a great understanding of who God is by how you live. And here he is. Uh, the Bible says that he was chosen to be the father of Jesus. Now, the Bible also says many are called, few are chosen. God is not random. God is not careless. He chooses certain people for certain roles. And God, there are people here God will choose if we meet certain criteria. Because the Bible says the eyes of God roam to and fro the earth looking for people to show himself strong to. In other words, looking for people to use. And so this man was, was used and he was called and he was given the great blessing of raising God's son. Looking after Mary and raising God's son. That was his calling. Never had to say a word, but God gave him the, jo the son the job of looking after Mary and raising Jesus been a father to Jesus. And why did God call this man? Why didn't he call other man? What was it about this man that made God choose him? The Bible says Joseph, her husband, being a just man or a righteous man, another translation. That speaks about not his gifting, not his charisma, it's about his character. There was something about this man that God saw in him that said, I can tr trust this man to be a father to my son. What a wonderful thing to be trusted by God. And here he is. Story tells us that this just and righteous man, it says that he was engaged. The Bible says in verse 19 that he was betrothed. Now, to understand the, the passage, we've got to understand the weddings in those days and marriages were done different to they are today. In those days... It was like a, marriages were more arranged, so parents would pick, you know, uh, suitable husbands and wives, and it was mostly arranged. And what would happen, we would, they would come to a legal agreement. They'd say, okay, this is, this is going to be your wife, and this is going to be your husband, and they would make an agreement, and by that time, we would call it engagement. But during that time, there'd be a 12-month period uh, where they were... Considered husband and wife, even though they hadn't gone through the ceremony, they would be considered husband and wife, and then after 12 months, they would have the ceremony. It was different today. And, and so that's why it says that although they're not married, Mary was Joseph's wife. She was his chosen. So she was betrothed, and they were going through this period, and rarely did they see each other in this time. Rarely, rarely did couples see each other. They would actually be chosen and put aside and then they would come together on, on a year later on the wedding day. And so he is um, a man. We know he's a simple man because he's a carpenter. Matthew 13 tells us he's a carpenter. We know he wasn't rich because when Jesus came to be dedicated, they didn't use a lamb. They used pigeons, which is what poor people used. So he's a simple man. God chose him. And he was very excited at this stage of his life. You know, he's... Little Mary, and he's going to get married, and of course he's excited and planning probably to build her a house because he's a carpenter. And then out of the blue, this bombshell gets dropped on him. Little Mary, 
It's pregnant. And the rumor mill starts. That's what happens in every society. And she knows she's already received a visit from an angel of God. God's already visited her and said, you are impregnated. Not naturally, you've been impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And you are going to give birth to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, God's Son. She knows this, and she goes down to Mary, because when, you, when you're carrying something supernatural and you can't understand it, God will always bring you to somebody else who's going through the same thing. So, so she goes off to Elizabeth, her cousin, who's supernaturally impregnated with John the Baptist. And while this is all happening, uh, Joseph's trying to process it all. He's like... Um, she doesn't even say whether she told him she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. All he knows is she's pregnant. And we know that being a human being, he would have gone through all these emotions that, you know, she's betrayed me. This woman who I thought was innocent and naive and good, she's actually had a secret and a secret lover and she's betrayed me. And, and uh, you know, he would have gone through all these emotions of being hurt, of being disappointed of being confused, of being angry. I, I love this. It says, but while he thought about these things, wherever in you, you're in those states, do not be impulsive. Be thoughtful. Be thoughtful. Do not act impulsive. Be thoughtful. And he was thoughtful. And while he was thinking about this thing, he's thinking, and he's got three options in those days. He's got three options. Firstly, and many people did this in those days. When this situation would arise, people think about their own reputation. And he could have, according to Deuteronomy 22, bought her out, exposed her. And by the word of God, he could have had a stone. Maybe the Romans would have stopped it, but he, by the law, he could have had a stone. Secondly, he could have divorced her publicly in a court. But in doing that, in, it's not like today, that woman would never be married again. She would live a life of certain impoverishment and she would carry such shame for the rest of her life. And his third option was to, the Bible says, put her away, or, but means divorce her quietly. You needed two witnesses and you could just do it quietly. And nobody would know what was really happening until she started to show. And, and the Bible says that he actually chose the third option. And in doing that, we, we see this man, even though he's experiencing disappointment and hurt and pain, and he thinks she's the cause of it, he still, this, this girl, he loved her and he wanted to cover her. He wanted to give her, he'd be as merciful to her as he could instead of give her judgment. And the Word of God says, God desires mercy, not judgment. And so here he is, he's, he's being hurt by this girl, there's no doubt about it, he's being hurt, yet in his pain, he's, he's actually desiring to cover her, he's desiring to, to not expose her, his, his, his love for her, is, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And you are somebody like, you and I, being human beings, you are going to be hurt, you are going to be disappointed by people. Could be, you know, in your workplace, you get passed over for a job and it's hurtful because someone you think considers less... How you respond in that situation is critical to your, 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 how far you're going to go in God. Or maybe you have a relationship that doesn't work out the way you hoped it would work out, and you may have been hurt, or you may have been in some way feel like you've been treated unjustly. 
And you can be someone who thinks, right, I, I want that person who's hurt me to get justice and judgment. Or you can be someone with a nature of God who says, even though I'm feeling like this, I want that person to receive mercy. I want to forgive them. I want to cover them as best I can. I want to cover them. And you know, when he had that attitude of, I, I, she's hurt me, but I want to, my love for her is going to try to protect her as much as I can. When he had that attitude, he chose that attitude, an angel turned up. And an angel turned up. You know, the angel of God, it says, turned up. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived is, her, is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save people from their sins. So an angel turns up and says the truth about Mary's condition. And he is told that she's not only pregnant by the Holy Spirit, but this man would have had a knowledge of the Scripture because he's a Jew, but she's actually conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit what the prophets had promised as God's Messiah who would save the people from their sins. Now, this is an extraordinary thing to be told. I mean, here's a simple man. He's a carpenter. Do you imagine you're a carpenter or a bricklayer or whatever you do for a job? And an angel turns up and tells you that the, the, the one who's been promised for generations and generations and generations, the only one, the Messiah, Mary's pregnant with her, and God's going to use you in the whole process of it, in the whole plan of salvation. God has chosen you. It's a very, very tall order to believe. And he has this encounter with this angel, and uh, it's a dream. He's having a dream. And the angel appeared to him in a dream. And uh, we, we hear about these things. But we've got to understand the way God speaks, the language of the Spirit is God speaks in dreams and visions. And he speaks in impressions. God's spoken to me in dreams. And he's spoken to other people here in dreams many, many times. But even when you have a dream, it's possible to question the dream. And at every, every moment of this passage, the one thing about Joseph and the reason why God, I believe, chose him, you know, Zechariah was someone who was also included in the great plan of salvation. And he was, his wife, who was barren, was impregnated with John the Baptist. But when the angel turned up to explain what was happening, John the Baptist, or sorry, Zechariah goes, I don't get it and I'm not going to believe it until you explain yourself to me. But when God turned up for Joseph and told him something, even though it was out there and it was extraordinary in this passage at every part of this story, every part of his experience, this man trusted God. And you know, you don't know how much, you know, you, th you can do this for God, you can do that for God. But the Bible says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God, and the righteous are justified by their faith. What God is looking for in all of us above everything else is to simply trust Him. And God, you know, at every time when God, when He appeared to him, He didn't try to work it out with His brain. God's, He simply believed. He simply trusted. Okay, she's, she's, and you know that He trusted because the Bible says immediately He married her. And he trusted God. Then after a while, God says to them, 
I want you to get out of here and I want you to go down to Egypt. Now, Egypt was a dangerous place for a Jew to go to. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's going to live as a refugee. He doesn't know how he's going to support himself. He simply trusts God like Abraham. And he goes down to Egypt. And God doesn't tell him when he's going to bring him back. Because when God calls you and God starts choosing, he only gives you part of the plan. He just tells you the next bit. He never gives you the full plan. But at the whole time and the whole, in this whole circumstance, this man, Joseph, continues simply to trust God at all times. That I've been called, I've been chosen by God to look after this girl, Mary, and to father God's son. He just trusts that's what, that's what God's doing in him. And never underestimate how pleasing it is, God, when you simply trust Him. God may have given you a promise and you can't see the fullness of it yet, but you're saying, I, I don't know how it's going to work out, God, but I trust you. Maybe giving a promise about a child, maybe giving a promise about a calling, maybe giving you a promise about a healing, and you're saying, I, I haven't got the full plan, but I'm trusting God. I'm trusting in His Word. I'm trusting Him with my heart. I'm not trying to figure it out in my head. I'm just, try, I'm just saying God said it. I believe it. I'm resting in His faithfulness to me. That is what pleases God. You ever wondered why God called Abraham from one side of the world and said, I want you to go from Ur all the way over to Canaan. Why? Because he's always been looking for a man who would simply trust him. And Abraham is called the father of faith because he didn't know where he was going. All he did was exercise trust in God. And for you to be someone who God considers just and righteous, not only got to be merciful, but we've got to have trust in God. And maybe you're going through a hard time because Joseph went through plenty of hard times. He went through public ridicule. He had to make a long journey down to Jerusalem, down to Bethlehem. And it's hard sometimes when, you, when you're walking with God but he, in, the, in the difficulty, he just trusted. God has got me. God has got me. God is faithful. Never doubt that. When you're going through a hard time, just say, God, I trust you. At all times, this man, there's not one, no one time when he questions God. And so he trusted God when he could have doubted. Easily could have doubted, but he chose to trust God. Do you trust God? Where are you at now? You trust God's hand is upon your life. You trust He's never going to forsake you, never going to leave you. You trust the promises He's made to you. He is faithful, even though if they look a million miles off today, but He is still going to perform it. Do you trust Him? Because that's who He is. He is faithful. And then here He is. So He's, he's merciful. He's trusting. And then God gives Him God turns up, God, God gives him three or four, actually, four dreams and encounters, divine encounters. Now, I just want to say to somebody, you may be not a preacher, you may not be a prophet, you may not be a healer, you may not have anything prominent, you may be someone in the kingdom of God, which, is, which is less, has less of a profile. All Joseph was called to do was look after Mary and the boy, and he committed himself fully to it. And you may be someone who God's in, in the kingdom, he may have said, I, just, I want you to look after even the facility here, but that's what God's told you. Or I want you to give money for the kingdom. It's not glamorous, 
But when you don't have that profile, sometimes people think, oh, that means that I'm never going to have this incredible encounter with her. I'm never going to have dreams and visions because they're ref- they're, they're, those things are reserved for the kind of the A-team, the preachers and the prophets. It's not so. God wants to give you a dream. He wants to turn up and he wants to manifest you because what you're doing is every bit as important as someone who has a whole, pro- whole profile. In fact, the Bible says that people who have the lesser roles have more honor from God. So expect God. When you obey Him, when you trust Him, when you apply His Word, expect He is going to turn up. I've had times, I don't want to lift myself, I've had times when actually God has visited me in a dream and I've heard His audible voice. So He's still doing this today. He's still speaking with people. Now here He is. God says to him, what's, imp- what's, what's amazing? God says to him, uh, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. Now, what I find is extraordinary. And he says, this is, this is the Savior she's even pregnant with. And there was a expect, there's an expectation of protocol in those days. that the, the engagement had to last one year. And this man, Joseph, as soon as he heard what God said, the Bible says in verse 24, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took to him his wife, and did not know what she brought forth her firstborn. In other words, there was an expectation for, of the, the culture, the expectation of the people around him that he had to wait 12 months. But when God spoke to him, immediately he obeyed him. He immediately chose obedience to the revelation that he had. And you see this all the way through. The angel of the Lord again appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt. Until I bring you the word, the next verse, when he arose. So his his obedience was immediate. Again in verse 19, when Herod was dead, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph saying, Arise. Then he arose and took the child. In other words, when God turned up and actually gave him a command, gave him a direction, he didn't wait. He didn't fathom it. He says, this is God. All I know is I've heard from God. And when you hear from God, I'll give you some counsel. Obey him immediately. Immediately obey him. Because if you delay, the devil will get in. He'll, you'll start to question it. You'll start to query it. But the easiest way to obey God is immediate obedience. If he tells you to forgive someone, do it immediately. Don't dwell on it. If he tells you to give some money to someone who's poor, do it immediately. Because God blesses that obedience. And every time God commanded this man, and he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to look after that girl. He did it immediately. Now I want you to marry. He did it immediately. Now I want you to go down to Egypt. He did it immediately. Now I want you to come back from Egypt. Even though he was afraid that Achilles, Herod's son, was going to kill him, he did it immediately. He obeyed him immediately. Now, God saw that obedience, and that's another reason why God chose him. The Bible says God blesses obedience. Now, we know that scripture, God blesses obedience, but you know, the blessing of God, how do I say it? It's paradoxical. You are blessed when you obey God. There is no doubt about God. You'll never be blessed unless you're determined to obey God. Unless you're determined to lay down your will and do God's will, you'll never come into the blessing of God. And the blessing of God cannot be calculated. It's so valuable. But when you're blessed of God, there's a paradox. 
We think, I'm going to obey God. God's going to bless me and my life is going to be just choo. But the blessing also is a burden. To be favored of God. You know, Mary, when the angel turned up, oh, Mary, you're most highly favored of God. But people are going to gossip about you your whole life. Daniel, the angel, turns up and says, Daniel, you're most loved of God, but you're about to go in a lion's den. And see, when we choose to obey God, don't ever think that obedience is easy. Obedience is complex. It carries the blessing of God, it also carries a burden. And so he's obedient. He's okay, I'm going to commit to God. God's given me this job. Look after the girl and raise his son. That's it. And then immediately he discovers he's got to make a, a journey with this woman who's, when she's a little bit later, when she's fully pregnant, when she's ready to give birth, he's like, I'm blessed of God. God's, you know, he's spoken to me. Yet now he's got to make a 95-mile journey in the middle of winter through a dangerous desert on a camel, and he doesn't even get to ride the camel. And then he goes 95 miles through this dangerous place with thieves, and he's got to avoid and trust trusting God the whole time with this girl. I mean, the, the, the plan is not straightforward. It never is with God, but he's trusting God in all of this, and he's walking, and then he gets to the place. He thinks, oh, I've obeyed God. I've gone 95 miles. Gosh, he's, he's got a five-star hotel for me. And he gets there to the two-star hotel, and even the two-star hotel is, is full, and this man, who all he's doing is trusting and, and obeying God, is told, there's no room for you here, and you have to take that girl who is part of God's divine plan to birth the Messiah, and you have to go where the animals are and give birth there. Would you have doubted God at that time? He continues to trust God. And then he's, he's there, and he's got, to be the, he's got to be the midwife. He's got to deliver the baby. God, please, God, he never chose me for anything like that. Hey, <laughs> Then he's got to cut the umbilical cord. I mean, it's just, it's, it's extraordinary. And he's trusting God the whole time. But you know what will happen if you do that? If you are somebody, even when you don't understand what God is doing, to God, you bless me, but this is hard. God, this is really hard what I'm going through. But you continue to trust God. You continue to obey God the best you can do. You know what happened to this man? Like at every time when it was like, what is going on, God? I'm just trying to do the best I can. What God will do, he'll turn up and he'll do something supernatural. So he confirms to you that he's still with you. You're still in the calling. This is all real. Because just as he cuts, imagine Joseph. Here he is. He's walked through the desert. He's gone 95 miles. It's hard. It's like, God, what are you doing? Am I really, did I, that's the time the de de devil comes along and says, did I really hear? Am I really in the will of God? If I'm really in the will of God, how come it's so hard? And some of you are going through that now. But you know what happens? He's just cut the umbilical cord. Imagine this. And these shepherds turn up. It's like, where they come from? And then they go, an angel appeared to us and came and told us to come here because this is where the Messiah is going to be born. And Joseph goes, oh, thank you, Lord. 
Other times, when he's in Egypt, again, angels turn up. When it's hard, angels turn up. This is what, this is what, and all he's doing is obeying God. All he's doing is doing what God commanded him to do. Look after the girl and look after the son. Don't have to say a word. Just do that. Bible says, He who has my commands and keep them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. That means at the right time, God himself will turn up when you don't know what he's doing, and he'll do something supernatural for you, like bring the shepherds, and you, you just have a confirmation that, oh, even though it is hard, I'm, I'm still in the will of God. I, I, didn't, I didn't get it wrong. Even though it's difficult, this is God's way because God's ways are not my ways. You know what you're going to have? You're going to have that sort of obedience to God to walk with him. And, and when it's hard, just continually obey him. Just continue what he, what he told you to do. Maybe it's to build a business. Maybe it's, and then you go through hard times. You've got to be tough-minded when the temptation is to be weak. This, this man, I, I love it, he was, he was tender with Mary when he was tempted to be harsh, and he was tough-minded when he could have been weak. There's something about being tough-minded with God. It's like, all I know is I heard. All I know is God told me, to, and, and it's like really hard. All I know is God told me to do this, and I'm walking, and I'm doing it, and it's not working out the way I think sometimes, and I don't have the money I thought I was going to have, and I don't know, this is all going pear shape, but, but all I'm going to do, I'm just going to keep doing what God told me to do last time. You've got to have that kind of tough-mindedness. Because the Bible says the double-minded get nothing. So when you're weak-minded and you go like, well, did I really hear? Did I really hear? Did I really? If you've heard from God, you know you've heard from God. Obey Him. And He'll turn up. He will turn up for you when you need Him. He will give you signs of confirmation, of, of encouragement. When, not, not every day. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm always suspicious of people that say, I don't, I'm not bagging. But when people say, God told me this yesterday, and God told me this tomorrow, God told me it today, God told me in five minutes, God told me God's, God doesn't speak like that. God speaks when you need to hear. Otherwise, you wouldn't be someone who walks by faith. So sometimes you hear people say, well, God told me this in the shower this morning, and then God told me that at breakfast, and God told me this here, and you think, am I doing something wrong? No. I honestly don't believe God speaks like that. God gives you something to do. How many times did God appear to Abraham in his life? He lived 180 years. How many? Five? 180 years. Joseph's life, he only appears four times. But he does appear when you need him. So here's Joseph. He is merciful this girl when he could have been judgmental he trusts God all the way and at all times he didn't know how it's going to work but he just simply exercises trust he obeys constantly all you could do is look after the girl and the boy and no matter what God he just keeps doing that his whole life I'll look after the girl and the child go down to Egypt I go down to Egypt yeah it wasn't easy to go down to Egypt his family would have questioned him what are you doing 
What about the carpentry business? Well, God told me I've got to go to Egypt. And he obeys God, goes down to Egypt. Never underestimate the power of obedience. And then it says here that uh, he took his wife and he did not know her till she brought forth it. Now, that means he never had sexual relations with his wife. And the reason he never did is because the Holy Spirit had impregnated her and he did not want to dishonor the Holy Spirit. All of history would have questioned what was really going on here if he had known his wife intimately. So this man, even though he was now married to this woman, he restrained himself sexually. He could have uh, just said, these are my marital rights now, but he restrained himself. And in our world, you know, people say today, you know, if you feel like it, you do it. Even in the church, people, they, they today, young people, are thinking, well, everyone else is doing it, and we're, we're going to be practical. We have these passions. God asks for and expects moral purity. And his word says that men and women, you need to restrain yourself till you're married and never question the power of purity. Never question, don't know what the world says. There's so much power if you say, well, you know what? I know everyone else is doing it, but my God says I'm not going to. I'm going to restrain myself in obedience to the Holy Spirit. And this man was like that. He was righteous and he was just. But he's also determined to keep himself pure. Young people, God's looking. God is looking. Yeah, he'll forgive you if you fail, but the ones he's looking to call, he gives you the opportunity to honor him in that area of your life. So don't, don't listen to what the world says. God is unchanging. He still says sexual activity is for marriage alone. And you need to restrain yourself. And then finally, this man is picked because all through this passage, you know, his choice at the start, okay, people are going to find out she's pregnant. Uh, the world's going to ridicule her and mock her. And the world is going to really place a demand on me to put her away, to have her stoned. There would have been great expectations here. And he had a choice. Had the word of God. He could either fear God or he could fear man. And the Bible says the fear of man is a snare. It makes you fall into a hole so that you can't get where God wants to take you. And the fear of man is means you regard men's opinions, men's attitude towards you, more important than what God thinks of you. And this man cared more about what God thought of him than what people thought of you. And you know, there are many people, even in the church today, they fear men more than they fear God. 
You know, I, I, I know, I've had even pastors come to see me. And they've, <laughs> they've said, I, I, some of them I went to Bible college with, and they say, we, we know that now you're a tongue-speaking, fire-breathing Pentecostal. <laughs> you know what I said? They said, I believe all that. But I can't go there because of my denomination. That's called the fear of man. I believe in healing, but we don't practice it because maybe they kick me out. That's called the fear of man. And the fear of man is a snare. You know, this is how, this is how you want to get God's attention on your life. Live for an audience of one. <laughs> Live for an audience of one to please him. To please him. Don't worry. People are going to mock you. They're going to call you radical. They're going to call you fanatical. They're going to say this about you. They're going to say that about it. And that can either close you down. But if you, if you cease to obey God because you're worried about what people think about you. The Bible says a fear of man is a snare. It means you're going to get caught. You're not going to be able to get to the good places God is taking you. Saul was called, King Saul was called to be and have what David had. And the Bible says he didn't do what Samuel told him to do, what God was speaking to through Samuel, because he feared what the people would think about him. Cost him his whole calling. And you know, there's, there's times where God will actually, may, maybe it's something really simple. God might even ask you to read your Bible on the train someday. Something as simple as that. Just say, but read your Bible for me on the train as a witness. And you could stand there and go, but what are all people going to think? Simple tests like that. Or, you know, just let people know you're a Christian. Stand up in the workplace. Let them know that you are for Christ. But you won't do it because you think, well, maybe they think I'm weird. If God's calling you to do it, just do it. Just do it. Because God is still looking. He's looking to use people. This man was used by God to look after Mary, a very important job to God. And to raise Jesus. And God chose him. Not randomly. It wasn't a lucky dip. God chose him because of certain qualities that he was merciful when he could have been judgmental. He trusted God when he could have doubted God. He obeyed God when it wasn't easy. Kept himself pure. And he feared God more than he feared men. And, you know, these aren't just Bible stories. Bible says the eyes of the God are, are looking all over the world. And, and you know, he's, he, God is not looking for a charismatic guy. He's not looking for a great orator. God is looking for character. And you can be in the, you know, the history books of God, but be someone who is low profile. You can have a greater testimony in heaven. He never preached a sermon. He never said a word. <laughs> he never spoke a word. And yet, he's one of the greatest men in Scripture. I really believe this. He's, he's a great, great man, Joseph. Goes down to Egypt. When God says, come back, you know, it's like, he's going to put his life on the line. But Herod's son's going to kill us all. He obeys God, walks right back into it. Great man of God because of his character. Not because of his charisma, not because of his gift, 
And some of you, you may be thinking, well, maybe, you know, God's just called me to do this or maybe just support the ministry and that's no great shake. No, 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 no. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. God just looks at your heart. He looks if you're righteous. And if you're faithful with that little, he's going to trust you with more. Young people, don't underestimate the power of purity, restraining yourself, because God doesn't overlook it. He considers it important. Fear God, don't fear man. Who would love to be somebody that God actually used? And not, 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 listen, you could be a pastor. You could be a pastor your whole life and God not really using you. I'm telling you. You can just preach them. You can be a professional. God doesn't really use you. But you know it when God is using you. And the most wonderful thing in the world, whether it's down in the crash, whether it's open in the door, but the most wonderful experience a human being can have is when God puts his hand on you and uses you to build his kingdom. Maybe you're a singer and you just know God's using me. You can give me $20 million. It doesn't compare to being used by God. Would you like to be used by God? It happens on the basis of your character, not your gifting. Don't doubt the power of forgiving people when you could be judgmental. Don't doubt the power of trusting God when it all seems so impossible. Don't doubt the, 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 the power of little steps of obedience. Personal purity and fearing God. Never doubt it because God is going to use people from this church. God is going to use you if you desire to be used, if you believe it, if you simply meet the conditions of his word. God's unchanging. I got this word today. Very rarely people, people in Joseph at Christmas, but the reason I'm preaching it is I really believe it. God wants to use people in this church. doesn't just want you to come to church. doesn't just want you to sing. He actually wants to use you to touch people. He wants to flow through you to bring Christ to them. He wants to use you to heal their lives, to change them, to encourage them, to bless them. He wants to use you to get the good news of, 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 that God can forgive your sins. He doesn't want to use great people. He wants to use normal, everyday people. Hallelujah. <laughs> Who's happy to be in church today? I've preached too long. I'm happy, but just expect God's going to use people. God is going to get a hold of you. You know, and, and go into 2024, if you just set yourself for God, say, God, I do want to be used by you. Just get out of your head that I'm a second rate or I'm a, a bit player or I'm a, I'm a support player and that I'm not going to have these great experiences and encounters with God. No, God wants to meet you in dreams. He wants to speak to you in visions. He actually wants to manifest himself to you because he's unchanging. Expect it. God says, I'll pour out my spirit. My young men will see visions. My old men will dream dreams. That's a promise. It's for you if you believe it. Believe. 2024, God is going to turn up. He's going to visit me and he's going to use me. 
These aren't stories, Bible stories, not Christmas stories. These are realities and it's all for us. Turn around and say to somebody, just encourage them, God is going to use you. <laughs> Prophesy it and declare it as you mean it because it's true. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Father, that someone even, even like myself, I've lived this word. I know, Father God, how faithful you are. I know that you're not looking for ability. I know that you're not looking for charisma or gifting. You are looking for simple, humble people. And Father God, you want to use us more than we understand. And Father God, you want to visit us in our dreams. You want to visit our children in our dreams. Father God, you want to manifest to those, yourself to those who simply obey you. So Father God, I just pray for anyone today who maybe has been mistreated, who maybe is going through something they don't understand. Father, they are tempted to want justice or judgment. And Father, I declare mercy over that person today, the spirit of mercy. Father God, I declare over the men in this church that like Joseph, they will be tender when they could even be harsh. He was tender with Mary when he could have been harsh. Father, I declare that we shall be tough-minded when we could be weak. That we, we shall be restrained when we could indulge our passions. And that we shall fear God above men in 2024. Lord, I, I, I bless you and I praise you that there shall be people in 2024 who get up in this church and simply testify how wonderful it is because I am being used of God. God has sp spoken to me. He's given me a task. Father, we've all got a task, but you want to give us specific tailor-made tasks. You do want to visit us. I declare 2024 shall be a season of divine visitation according to your promise. Our young men shall see visions. Our old men shall dream dreams because, Father God, you are pouring out your spirit in this generation. And I bless you and I praise you for every Joseph in this church. I bless you and I praise you for every unseen servant. I bless you and I praise you that man may not see us, but you see us, God. I thank you for the ones who, Father, the world considers support players, but you consider superstars. Father God, I bless you and praise you. You don't weigh men like we weigh them and, and women. Father God, you look at our hearts. You look at the heart when we trust you. You look at our heart when we obey you. And you bless those hearts. Father, I thank you for the gift it is to be used by you. Father, let us never take it for granted. You are using this church. You're using us mightily here at Kurumbong in the nations. We are a church. We may not have a fancy cafe, but we know we are being used by you. And Father God, we say to you today, we value that above all. Continue to use us. Use us more for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus and all the people said.
Amen. God bless you, church, and have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. Expect God to turn up and expect Him to use you more and more and more and more because that's His plan. Amen. Let's pray.